So there I was, 18, taking out the seven grand loan for my boyfriend. And I thought this was the adult best decision of my life. Within a month, we broke up. He never paid back a single penny of that loan. And I found out that he actually had £30,000 worth of debt, which more bailiffs will come into the door because they'd obviously found where he lived because he'd been running from them for so many years. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And that mission has led me to create the Become a Better Investor community. In the community, you get access to our global asset allocation strategies and stock selection portfolios, our institutional grade investment research, weekly live sessions, and of course the risk reduction lessons I've learned from more than 500 guests. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your 50% lifetime discount exclusive for podcast listeners, fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guests, Emma Mumford. Emma, are you ready to join the mission? I am. I'm so excited for this, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I am excited too. And I got a, I got a lot of, I'm looking forward to our discussion, but let me just take a minute and let me introduce you to the audience. Emma Mumford is the UK's leading law of attraction expert. She is an award-winning life coach and mentor, law of attraction YouTuber, two-time best-selling author of her books, Positively Wealthy and Spiritual Queen, speaker and podcast host of the popular podcast, Spiritual Queen's Badass podcast. Emma's work helps people turn their dream life into an abundant reality using the law of attraction and spirituality. Emma's work has helped hundreds of thousands of people globally over the last eight years across her two businesses, Extreme Couponing and Deals UK as Coupon Queen back in 2013. And here now with her spiritual work, Emma, tell us a little bit about the value that you bring to this world and a little bit about what you are doing. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I spiritually awakened back in 2016, which you're going to hear along my story anyway. So since that point, I've really just fallen in love with the law of attraction and spirituality. And I really found that when I went along my manifestation journey, that there was so much missing from old school teachings of the law of attraction. And I found that here, you know, 16 years later from when The Secret, for example, was written, the world's a very different place and energy works very differently. And, and we're different now as well as a collective. So I found that I was hitting block after block with my manifestations. And I thought, hang on a minute, what am I doing wrong? I'm following the steps. So really it was, I took it upon myself in my work as I transitioned from my coupon queen business into my spiritual business to really make the law of attraction accessible and easy to digest and fill in those missing puzzle pieces of what's not covered in a lot of the old school teachings and actually really look into actually our mind is also creating our reality, our belief, our subconscious is our, our, you know, limiting beliefs and fears are, our traumas are. And actually the inner work is one of the biggest, biggest secrets to the law of attraction work and aligning with the desire and the reality that you want. So for me, it's really about educating people. It's about bringing this information to people through my books, through my podcast, through my YouTube. You know, I love talking all things law of attraction. So for me, I have so much fun 
fun with this. I love teaching people. I love helping people. So for me, it's really about helping people to get the manifestation results that they want. And maybe people have been really struggling for a while. They feel like, again, they've got those missing puzzle pieces of, you know, I'm doing everything the old school teachings say, but I'm not quite understanding why I'm not manifesting my desires. So it's my job to help fill in those blanks and help people to unlock abundance and their desires. Imagine that a listener doesn't really know much about the law of attraction and all that, but they want more results in their life. They want more and they know that they're kind of missing and they come to you and think about our listeners out there. They're professionals and, you know, different people working in their jobs and they're trying to get make ends meet and all that. What would be like the, I don't know, a a short idea of what you would do with them or what you would advise them like what's one thing to do or what what's a little summary of kind of what they need to know about law of attraction well how long have you got Andrew but like sometimes I mean that could take forever but I would say obviously everybody's backgrounds is different everybody's beliefs are different as well some may be really open to more spiritual concepts some people may be more practical and they prefer practical tools and tips so I think in my work there's something for everyone I'm a Virgo so I'm very down to earth and practical and I think that's the best way to tackle law of attraction and manifestation so I think there's something in it for everybody so for those who don't know what the law of attraction is. It's one of the seven laws of the universe that states like attracts like. So a bit like a boomerang, a bit like karma. What we put out into the world is what we attract to ourselves. So if we're being positive and we're putting out, you know, positive thoughts and gratefulness and appreciation and love, then we're going to be attracting those circumstances, those people and those experiences into our life. And we've all had one of those days where, you know, something positive's happened and we've gone and told somebody and then we've gone and told somebody else and there's something else good happens and we think god it's just been a really lucky day hasn't it and on the flip side we've had we've all had those days where we've moaned about something we've gone and told somebody oh damn this has happened and then something else happens and then something else happens and you think god it's just been one of those days so this is the law of attraction in action and feeling is healing at the end of the day we can't every single day of our lives have these high vibe positive days but it's essentially being aware and conscious that we do create our realities and that if you have a desire if you have a goal if you have a dream of something you would like to achieve then it is absolutely possible through intention through action and through my five steps to the law of attraction and the three steps to the law of attraction as well in the old school teaching so it's very much about asking and putting your intentions out there it's about believing and working through as I said that inner work any resistance that's there any limiting beliefs or fears that are stopping you from walking in and embracing and embodying that reality and that version of yourself. It's about taking aligned and inspired action as well to put yourself in the field of opportunity and possibility to co-create with the universe or source or God, whatever you would like to call it. You know, the good thing about the law of attraction and spirituality as a whole is we don't have to categorize it. You know, whatever resonates with you, whatever feels, you know, true to you is, you know, absolutely you can work with, with the law of attraction. And then after we've taken our aligned and inspired action, it's about letting go and surrender. And this is probably one of the hardest steps along the process because 
as humans, we are designed to attach to things and want things. So this is normally where I find the most people struggle with that step. And then receiving, which is all about receiving your desire, but also getting into the energy of receiving and allowing yourself to receive in all forms, in all ways in life, whether that's support or love. And, you know, I really think a good question to ask yourself is how much do you allow yourself to receive? And I'm sure there's going to be lots of business-minded people here, lots of entrepreneurs, and I'm sure all of them are like, oh God, that question. And I definitely would have cringed at that question too, because I think as entrepreneurs, we're very much go, go, go. We're very much action-orientated. It's very much the energy of like, I'm going to make this happen. Whereas with law of attraction, yes, but also it's a co-creation process where you can allow yourself to receive and be supported. Like you don't have to do it all by yourself. That's interesting. Cause I mean, that, that's like the message I just took out of all that you just said. It's like, I was just thinking to myself, you don't have to do it alone. You know, like that, I, that part, I really, really just, just grabbed me. You know, so that that's a thing for the listeners out there. If you're struggling and you're frustrated and things aren't working out, you know, I think the first step is to say you don't have to do it alone. And nowadays with so much stuff available, you know, your podcasts, your books and other stuff, people can get that. I want to, it reminded me of, I had a spiritual awakening when I was 17. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I, I love living, hearing these stories. Yeah, I was living in uh outside of Cleveland, Ohio, a little town called Hudson. I had basically gone to a drug rehab when I was 16 or so, 17. And I came out and within four days I was using drugs again. And I ran away from home and I told my parents, I I don't want to do it. And I just want to do whatever I want. And my, my mom, you know, and my dad both basically said, no, you've got to come home, you know, and eventually after a period of time, they said, we've, booked you into another treatment center in Louisiana. Now, Louisiana is very far from, you know, Ohio. My parents basically said after I was, I was like in a halfway house for a, a few weeks and then they brought me home for one night and my, I slept at my house for one night in my room. And then the next morning, my father drove me to the bus station in those days. And my mom said goodbye to me at the door with my dad. And she said, they said, this is a one way ticket. If you don't get clean, you can live the rest of your life in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That was terrifying. I, I took a bus for two days down to Louisiana. I got to this hospital, you know, and basically they said, you've got seven days for an evaluation. And if we approve, you know, you're going to go into treatment. And if we think that you're not ready, you're going to go out on the street. You know, you're going to go home basically. But I knew going out, not getting approved would be going out on the street. Well, everything was going pretty well, and I basically knew all the lingo because I'd already been in treatment before. And on the sixth, the the night of the sixth, you know, of the sixth day, they pulled me into the uh, office and they said, "Well, we have bad news, and that is that you are not going to be. We're not going to recommend you to go to treatment. You're just not ready to surrender." And I went back to my room, and I, I can visualize it right now, even though it was forty years ago. You know, like. I went into my room and I had a roommate and I went in the bathroom because I didn't want my roommate to see me cry. And I collapsed on the floor and I just realized like everything I was doing got me to this point and I couldn't do it on my own anymore. 
And it was that moment I was kind of sobbing in the bathroom that was really my spiritual bottom, my awakening. And I basically surrendered at that moment. And the next day, either they played a cruel trick on me, Emma, or something changed. And they said they would allow me to go into the treatment center. And basically, I, I call that date September 15th. 1982, my sobriety date. And that's going to be 40 years in this September since I surrendered. And, and I went through a lot of other spiritual, you know, processes through 12 step programs and stuff that kind of, I had to look at myself. And so I really felt like the law of attraction and getting the, getting the good stuff in and connecting with other people and all that. I never knew it as a law of attraction in those days, but now I can see the value of it. So that's, the little story, I know my listeners haven't heard that story, but that is the story of my spiritual awakening. Wow. And a huge story as well, because like you say, it is in those moments of surrender that we open up to spiritual support. We open up when we're like, I just can't do this by myself anymore. And my awakening was very, very similar in that sense of that deep surrender and okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it your way universe. I give up. I'm going to allow, you know, myself to, yeah, be accountable for actions and thoughts and everything that you've done, you know, to get to this point. So, um, I think yeah, and a lot the funny of- thing is that the way you just described it was like, all right, universe, I'll do it. But in fact, it opened me up, you know, like, like that's part of what you're talking about is when you open yourself up, you're willing to receive you can receive there's just it's it's an endless abundance so that's uh i'm not an expert in your area but i i am an expert in the idea of trying to open up to receive but i have one last thing i want to talk about since i've got such an expert on the call i've got a lot of good things going in my life because you know i have been open and i try to surrender and i i try to keep positive and all that but recently i've noticed you know i've gotten into some ruts where I'm like, okay, I'm not good at that. I I announce that I'm not good at that sales or marketing or whatever. I'm good at numbers, but I'm not good at that. And I've just been observing myself saying that a lot. And I can see that it's causing a block. And what advice would you give me to to think about how do I, you know, start turning that around and and not, you know, allowing that to shape my my future? I'm just curious. I got you on. I know the audience would benefit, but heck, I can benefit too. Of course. And I think it's, you know, the million dollar question, which a lot of people ask themselves of, they know that inner critic, that ego is there. They know those limiting beliefs are there, but how do they work through them? And I think the first step is like, well, you've got that awareness of, okay, this is something that's holding me back. This is something that is a limiting belief. And I don't want to feel like that. And I know that it is blocking my desires. So having awareness and, you know, just noticing and, you know, for anybody listening, like take notes and and write things down. Like when you hear that inner critical ego piping up saying, you're not good enough, or who are you to do this? Whatever the thought or process is, write it down and keep a diary of it because this will help. And then you'll see like connections and themes of, okay, is that relating to self-love? Is that relating to self-worth? Is that relating to, you know, whatever it could be? So you'll start seeing some patterns. And I believe that the inner critic and ego is actually our inner child. And a lot of psychologists also believe this. So talking, a lot of people will bash their egos and inner critics and be like, shut up, like go away. Like, 
like, you know, it's like the little devil on your shoulder. A lot of people will really attack their inner critic and ego. And I know that a lot of the time in the law of attraction spaces, you know, a lot of the old school teachings will say, you know, you must not think negative thoughts. You must push them away. You must, you know, focus on the positives. And for me, when I went through my journey, that was the worst advice I ever could have got. Because when I was having these thoughts, I was then thinking, nope, change the thought, Emma, think positive, right? How do I reframe it? And I would catch myself every single time and reframe it. And then I'd be like, shut up, ego, shut up, ego, shut up, ego. And it wasn't going anywhere. And it was getting louder and louder and louder. And I was like, okay, clearly I'm broken. Like clearly, like I'm just you know, the one person in the world this doesn't work for. And, you know, I've just got something clearly terribly wrong with me, but I didn't. It's because I didn't have access to the right information. Feeling is healing. And one of the most, most important things with law of attraction and manifestation is to honor your feelings because we cannot always have a positive day every single day. We are human. We have seven laws of the universe. The law of attraction is one of them. The law of polarity is also another one of them. And how would we ever know what happiness was if we didn't have a bad day? How would we ever know how to be grateful for something if we didn't experience lack or loss? So we need these polarities in life to truly appreciate everything and to truly be able to feel the whole spectrum of our emotions and the whole experience as a human here. So I really want to give everybody permission to honor your feelings. It's not a negative or a bad thing that you have thoughts coming up or you have limiting beliefs and fears. Every single human being is traumatized. Every single one of us. And trauma can, when I people hear the word traumatized, they're like, oh, you know, that's a bit extreme, Emma. You know, I haven't gone through anything <laughs> in my childhood. I haven't gone through abuse. And trauma can be defined in so many different ways. So whether you call it a fear, whether you call it a limiting belief, trauma, whatever resonates with you. But we all have them all of us, even the most healed teachers in the world have them. Even these Zen Buddhist monks have them as well. So everybody will have these within them. And awareness is key. And then working through it, I would say, is working with the inner child. So for 21 days, talk lovingly to yourself. So every time those thoughts come up, say, you know, if it's like, you're not good enough for this, say, okay, I hear you. I see you. I love you. It's okay. We've got this. Like I'm here. I know that I am good enough for this. We are good enough for this. And we wouldn't have this opportunity if we weren't good enough for it. And even if we're not good enough for it, we're going to learn something from this opportunity. And you don't need to worry because I've got us. So the more you speak lovingly, like you would to a child or, you know, a child, your own child, the more you heal that relationship with your inner child and the more that you heal that ego inner critic relationship. And everybody who does this after those 21 days, they're like, wow, it does not crop up as much as it did before. It does not feel as intense. So with any thoughts or anything that ever feels so intense, face it head on. Don't be like, oh, not going to think about that. Face it head on and say, when was the first time I felt this? What is underneath this? Is it anger? Is it loss? What are the core emotions underneath what you're feeling? And then you can work with that and say, okay, if it's down to self-worth, when was the first time that I felt I wasn't worthy in life? And then you can work through those memories and those beliefs to release it. Great. So awareness, writing it down, welcoming the feeling, you know, like you, you were talking about receiving. It's like being aware of it, not trying to fight it. And just, I think, that that's enough right there. And as you said, 21 days. So 
I've got my homework, Emma, and I appreciate it very much. That's great feedback from me and for the listeners. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Yeah, and I love this question. And I loved the theme when you reached out on the podcast because I thought this could, like you said, this could be defined in so many different ways. And I think it's, well, it's a story that shaped my life. It's a story that shaped my career. So it's the blooming big story. So back in 2012, if we go all the way back then, I was working as a banking manager in one of the UK's leading banks. I totally fell into that career. I had no experience and definitely not the right qualifications to do it. But I tend to just fall into these roles when I was younger. And I was 18 at the time. So I was super young as well to be put in such a corporate, you know, position of like, I was like this deer in the headlights of like, okay, I know I'm good at sales. I know I've had a lot of really good sales roles and good sales figures and really good jobs so far, but whoa. So I'd cut, I didn't go to university. I came straight out of college, went into employment, worked in a lot of sales roles and then landed this role. And I hated it. I hated working at the bank so much because it was really odd because my family and everyone around me were so proud of me. And it was like the first time I'd really heard them say, like, we're so proud of you, like you've done so well. So on one hand, I was like, wow, like this is an amazing thing I've done. But I hated it. <laughs> I hated it because I had to put people in debt every single day. I had to have little 80 year old grannies sat in front of me who just wanted a cup of tea and a chat. And I had to sell them a 10 grand loan. I had to talk about mortgages, credit cards, everything. And the worst part was, is seeing the desperation in people as well. So they would come in and be like, I've got no money to feed my children. I've maxed out my credit cards. I've maxed out my loan. Like, can you give me money? And to say no to that person, I'm really sorry, I can't, was awful. And I just don't think, I think it really shocked me. And I think that was my first experience of how wrong a lot of things are in our society. And I got depression very quickly from that role. And I'd never experienced depression before in my life. And to coincide with that, I was also in a really negative relationship. So it was my first sort of serious relationship and I was living with the person. So my worst investment ever was he had a lot of debt that he hadn't told me about. And we had bailiffs started turning up at our door. And obviously as an 18 year old, it's like, whoa, like, what is this? He was a couple years older and I didn't really know how to deal with any of this. So in my practical head, I was like, right, we're just going to deal with this straight away. We're not like, we're just going to nip it in the bud. So I was like, right, I get preferential rates at the bank. So I'm going to take out a loan and we're going to pay it off. So the bailiffs aren't, you know, knocking on our doors and then you can pay me back the money. And he was like, yeah, great idea. Let's do it. So I went into the bank and obviously I knew how the banking system works. And I knew that they were never going to give me a loan for £7,000 to pay off my boyfriend's debts. So my manager knew exactly what it was before. I didn't lie to him. And he was like, okay, we'll put it down as home renovations. And I was like, fine. So there I was 18, taking out the seven grand loan for my boyfriend. And I thought this was the adult best decision of my life. Within a month, we broke up. He never paid back a single penny of that loan. And I found out that he actually had £30,000 worth of debt, which more bailiffs will come into the door because they'd obviously found where he lived because he'd been running from them for so many years. 
And it was awful. And as you can imagine, my depression got worse and worse, the anxiety. I couldn't even turn up to work because not only was I surrounded by this like awful money relationship at work, but also at home, having this pressure of the debt, going through a breakup, having depression, wanting to end my life. And just all of this was like a concoction of a nightmare and chaos for me. So it was tough to be 18 years old and then have to leave my very well-paid job because I literally couldn't turn up at work because I was so full of anxiety. So I then had to go and work part-time, which meant it was extremely difficult to then pay this loan off because I wasn't earning a great amount of money. So luckily I was able to move back to my parents and obviously just pick myself back up. But I think what the interesting thing about this story is, so he never paid back a single penny to this day of that loan. And there's a lot of history with that loan as well with the bank which makes me laugh looking back because I think one I never should have been given that loan because my manager knew what it was for and knew that was against the the code of lending and the code of borrowing and I was also so young and I don't want to say naive but you know young and had no awareness of how this could impact and here in the UK I don't know what it's like in the in the states and obviously worldwide but here in the UK there's actually no laws protecting women especially against this sort of situation where you take on a partner's debt and then they don't pay you back now in the last I think it's three years I think it's called Claire's Law or there's something like that so here in the UK they have changed it now so that actually women and anybody obviously men as well can get support if their partner has left them in debt and it's not their own debt so there is support now but obviously at the time it felt awful and it felt like the end it felt like how have I got here like I did a good thing to help somebody and I had then had to pay seven grand off which was a hard pill to swallow and how long did it take you to pay off the seven grand Well, this is where the blessing comes in. So what then happened when I moved back to my parents was I thought right, <laughs> practical Emma again, how am I going to pay this off? How am I going to pay this off and make this a success instead of something bad that happened to me? And I came across Extreme Couponing in the US, the US TLC show. And I thought, wow, like this is amazing. Like they're saving thousands of dollars worth of food and paying nothing. Like if even if I could just save on groceries and like, you know, the everyday essentials, that would save me so much money that I could pay off this debt with each month. So I went in hard with couponing and very, very quickly, I became very good at it. I had a whole like spare room stockpile situation going on. And my parents like, great, we've got so many free products products. And I loved it because I think it was something really great to focus my energy on when I was experiencing depression. And it gave me a release. It gave me that positive thing of I'm doing something positive and this is helping me get through this really crap stage in my life. So then my friends kept pestering me and were like, you need to share this with people. You're so good at this. Like nobody in the UK is doing this, that you could help so many people. And I was like, but who am I? I'm just Emma from Dorset. Like I'm 19 years old by this point. Like who am I to do that? You know, here in the UK, we have Martin Lewis. We have a lot of big financial experts. Like who am I to do that? So after a lot of pestering, I did start the Facebook page up and within six months, it got half a million followers in the UK. 
I was then invited on to the UK's biggest TV show to do money saving slot. It just went a bit wild and I got nicknamed the coupon queen and within literally the space of a year. So I didn't monetize it to start off with because I didn't know you could. And then one helpful man did help me monetize it. And I was a six figure business within the first year of trading, which was just crazy given all of the circumstances and everything that had happened. So without that £7,000 debt, I never would have found couponing and I never would have had my first six-figure business. So, Thank you, ex-boyfriend. Thank you, ex-boyfriend. Yes, definitely. And I think when we can look at those situations and say, right, okay, in the moment, it probably does feel awful and it feels like the world's ending and how on earth could there be a higher reason to this? But in hindsight, you could always look back and say, right, that was actually leading me to this. And like, thank God that happened. Thank God the universe cleared that relationship out. Thank God the universe got me on this path to helping people positively save money and have better finances instead of putting them in debt. I mean, I guess normally I ask you to summarize the lessons that you learned, but I really feel like that was the lesson that things happen for a reason. And, you know, most of the time when something happens, we get caught up in the negative. Uh, this happened, I lost my job, I lost this, I lost that. But I, I can tell you a story where I basically lost a job that was a really good job. And I was so down and depressed. But within six months, I had made more in the next opportunity that came up than I had made in years. You know, And I made it in six months. And I was just like, wow, if I hadn't lost that job, I wouldn't have you know, gone through it. So I think from my perspective, I guess what I take away is look at your biggest loss as your biggest opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, everything's a blessing or a lesson. And that wasn't the end of my journey. Obviously, I then went on to Spiritual Awakening in 2016. And I went through a whole different journey with my mental health, with depression, with abuse, with things like that. But again, I look back even on that stage in my life and I'm like, thank God that happened because I got out of that relationship. I found the law of attraction. I healed myself. I worked through the trauma and abuse I had gone through, which I had no idea I even had underneath all of this at the time. So yes, I may have lost 7,000 pounds, But from that, I've had two hugely successful businesses. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I get to help people be happy, be positive, to be, you know, happy and healthy with their money. And to me, like, I'm like, wow, that only costs £7,000. Like, all of that's incredible. (laughs) So this next question, it normally really makes sense. But now as I think about it, I'm kind of confused but let me ask it anyways and then see what you say so based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate but kind of suffering the fate is what led you to where you are but just curious what your thoughts are yeah and it's really difficult because as much as we want to prevent anything negative or hardships in our life you know we can't always predict what's going to happen in life you know I couldn't predict that he was going to, you know, we were going to break up and he was never going to pay a penny. I couldn't predict what would happen in the next relation after that. I couldn't predict what was then going to happen in the next relation after that. And I couldn't predict any of what's happened along my spiritual journey, really, other than my own commitment to myself and my determination to be better and do better and to help people. So I think it's 
a case of reminding yourself of, okay, yes, you can educate yourself. Yes, be sensible. Yes, be mindful when going into relationships and finances are involved. Of course, all of those things go without saying, but more than anything, I think the one thing that creates these unhealthy relationships or codependency or toxic relationships is that inner work, is the things that we aren't looking at and those beliefs that we have of what we're worthy of, which is attracting those relationships into our life. And my relationships have been my biggest lessons in my life. But again, thank God they were because it's helped me to have the best relationship with myself. So, you know, the law of attraction is a fantastic tool, which I would honestly wish everybody could know about because then we can start taking responsibility and, you know, wanting to do better and be better and manifesting those opportunities and, you know, positive things into our life. And that doesn't mean we're never going to have a bad day ever again, or we're never going to experience adversity or hardship, but those tools and those modalities, and even just a simple gratitude practice each day helps us to navigate those times so much smoother. And instead of feeling loss or, well, we do still feel loss, of course, but instead of feeling lack or feeling victimized or feeling helpless, we're able to say, okay, what is in my control? What am I able to, you know, what am I able to do in this situation? What is the most loving thing I can do for myself and make those more empowered decisions from there? Do the inner work, ladies and gentlemen, it pays off. That's a big (laughs) takeaway. So what's a resource that you'd recommend, a resource of yours that you'd recommend for the listeners? Yeah. So I've got two that I would recommend. So if you want to dip your toes into the law of attraction, do a fun little manifestation challenge and, you know, just get out there and get manifesting, then I'd really recommend my second book, Positively Wealthy, because it's a 33-day guide to manifesting sustainable abundance and wealth. So it's money and abundance of all forms orientated. So it's all about manifesting abundance in all areas of your life with a little money and wealth focused as well. If you want something a little bit more on the topic of this podcast, i.e. inner work, inner child work, limiting beliefs and fears, then I have a new book coming out on October the 11th, which is called Hurt, Healing, Healed, which is releasing limiting beliefs, blocks and fears to supercharge your manifestation. So that one's a much deeper book. It's very much like, let's, let's more like the advanced law of attraction book, definitely, but it's still super fun. I know the inner work can seem quite daunting sometimes and like, oh, so of course I love to make things easy, practical and accessible for people. So it's still a really fun manifestation guide as well. Fantastic. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And I don't know if you've got a link to the new book yet, but if you haven't, we'll get it as soon as you've got it out. Yes, definitely. Well, it's available for pre-order on everywhere that sell books already. I will send you the link, but it's also where that you would buy your books from normally. Fantastic. All right. Last question. What is your number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, love this. Oh, God, there's so many. For me, I think on a personal level, because I've always had such high business visions and business goals. And I'm like, right, let's get that book published. Let's write another book or let's get the podcast to hear. Like, I feel like I've had so many business goals over the years. So this year is really like, okay, how do I want to feel within myself? And for me, the goal is relaxation. And people think I'm mad for saying that. And I'm like, no, believe me, if you'd seen the last like three, four years of my life, like relaxation is exactly what I need. And I really just want to relax and enjoy and soak up all the amazingness that I have worked hard for that, you know, I I have been doing over the last few years. So I think 
in the entrepreneur space and in the business space is very much like what's next what are you doing next right what are you working on now and I'm like no I'm gonna relax I'm gonna enjoy and I'm actually gonna freaking travel because we haven't been able to do that for so long so that is my goal that reminds me of uh, I had a caregiver that was taking care of my mom and she worked for one year and she said you know today's my one year anniversary of working for you this was a couple of years ago and she said, you know what? I've never seen you take a holiday for one year. And I thought, oh, God, yeah, that's a problem. And I told my mom, I said, why don't every three months, let's go somewhere. And so now I have a report that I write every three months. So I was like, mom, after I finish writing that, I present it to my clients and then let's get let's go somewhere. And so we've been doing that now for the last couple of years. And yeah, it's a great one. So I love it. Love it. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet joined the Become a Better Investor community, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your 50% lifetime discount exclusive for podcast listeners. As we conclude, Emma, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment do you have any parting words for the audience well I just want to say thank you so much for having me Andrew first and foremost I've loved it I've loved all the questions and it's something a bit different to what I usually do on podcast interviews so I loved it but I think just thank you everybody who's listened to this I hope it's inspired you and I hope anybody who's in a similar situation can take some inspiration and some success from it and obviously you can find my podcast you can find my youtube i've got an abundance of resources that you can go and listen to to help you start on this journey and take action and reach out to me as well on instagram if you want to fantastic and we'll have the links to all that in the show notes and that's a wrap on another great story to help us create grow and protect our well fellow risk takers let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.